Good morning. Thank you for joining me. If you would turn over to um, Ephesians chapter 6. It's Ephesians chapter 6. Um, for the next couple of weeks, I'm going to branch out a little bit and do something just a little bit different. Um, I'm actually going to do uh, sort of a series, I guess, but it's only it's only two sermons together. Um, and then, just to let you know ahead of time, uh, next week, which would be February 13th, if you're uh, listening to this on the 30th, um, then John Crawford will be speaking again. Um, so I'll try to make sure that I record that and post that here also. So we are in Ephesians chapter 6. There we go. <clears throat> so just to give you a little bit of backstory, over the past few weeks um, in Sunday school, we have been discussing angels and um, predominantly angels, um, but we've dipped our toes in the knowledge of the spiritual realm. So today we are going to be diving a little bit deeper into that. Um and we're going to look and see how we are tethered to it. So today, the world seems like it's more full of hatred than I can ever remember in my lifetime. You know, everywhere we look, we see division, we see spite, we see depression, we see conflict, we see uh, no real value for human life at all. We see people constantly oppressing one another. We see man against man, neighbor against neighbor, you know, the young are rising up against the old, and those who haven't really accomplished anything worthy of recognition are dishonoring our selfless veterans. Many of those who've given up their lives in order that we might live in a free world. So, a little backstory September 1st, 1939, was, uh, it marked the beginning of the deadliest war in history. The Allies fought a gruesome and brutal war against arguably the most evil uh, enemy that the world has ever seen. Now, this same enemy's entire motive was to kill anyone in opposition to their cause. It was to destroy the freedoms of life that so many people enjoyed, and it was to replace it with their own version of morality. Now, doesn't that sound familiar? We are currently at war with the adversary of our souls whose motive is to steal kill and destroy but some people still refuse to believe this we however know this to be true if you look over in ephesians 6 i'm gonna give you a few references here so we can know that this is true it says finally be strong in the lord and in the strength of his might Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over his present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Let's look over at another passage. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. 
one more passage, Revelation 12, uh, verses 7 through 9. It says, Now war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was defeated, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. This war is very real, and we are at war currently. We are, we are at war with the world. We are at war with evil. We are at war with ourselves. We face a very similar enemy that those men faced at Normandy, in Bastogne, at the Battle of the Bulge, and in Germany. An enemy who is relentless, who is corrupt and evil. An enemy that wants to see you utterly destroyed. We are at war with Satan for our souls. And he has surrounded us with the snares of sin. And he's made them even more dangerous because those snares are attractive and enticing to our flesh. Now, one of the major problems that I see in the Christian faith today is a lack of accountability to the teachings of Jesus Christ. You know, we see too many of those that we love put on the righteousness of Jesus like it's an accessory. Now, I would dare say that most of the people that you know probably claim to be a Christian, yet there is no evidence of a regenerate life. There's no fruit, or even worse, there's bad fruit. You know, people tend to throw on Christ's righteousness like he is their sports coat, you know, where they can put him on and take him off at their convenience. Instead, when we see those that you know have the assurance of salvation, they cling to Christ for every aspect of their life and for life itself. Much like a soldier who leaps from a plane would cling to a parachute. Now, for anyone who rejects him or that does not cling to him, jumps without a parachute. Or those who are lukewarm, even worse, because they don't, they wear the parachute, but then they they rely on themselves to be saved. So instead of clinging to their parachute, it's like they're trying to flap their arms as they're falling. But those people will face the same fate as the unbeliever, which is certain death. See, without him, we have no hope. You and I have sinned against the only true God, and it is because of this that we have eternally separated ourselves from him. And because he is perfect and holy, we are now separate because we have made ourselves imperfect, unholy, unrighteous. But it is also because he is perfect and holy that he can have no part of imperfection and unholiness. We have sentenced ourselves to death spiritually and eternally, and we have accrued a debt that is not possible for us to pay because we are dead. Right? The scriptures tell us we are dead in our sins. And how can a dead man atone for anything? The answer is he can't. But then the question is, so how can sinners who are dead in their trespasses be reconciled back to a holy and just God? Well, we find the answer 
in the person of Jesus Christ. Knowing that the only one who could satisfy the wrath that we have stored up for ourselves was God, God humbled himself and left his throne of glory in heaven to become a man. He lived the perfect life so that he could be the sacrifice that was required to be the propitiation for our sins once and for all. Meaning that his sacrifice, when he bore our sins on that cross and gave up his life, when he paid the debt that I could not pay, he paid the debt of my sins that I've committed in the past, the ones that I commit today, and the ones that I will commit until the day I die. Now, that is no excuse for me to continue sinning. As a matter of fact, Paul has already addressed this. He said, should I continue to sin to let grace abound? God forbid. But then, Christ rose from the dead showing his authority over even death and his resurrection was evidence that his payment was sufficient. Christ's death was evidence that God became a man. But his resurrection was evidence that he never ceased to be God. Now, if you know this and believe this, Now you must trust this. You must trust him. You must trust him with every aspect of your life. To trust that his ways are better and his ways are good. And this trust will be manifested through your obedience to his word. To sum it up in a word, fruit. So if you are not being obedient to his word, then you do not fully trust him. And I urge you to repent. It is only through being born again of the Spirit that we can defend ourselves in this spiritual war. See, we are soldiers. Those who claim the name of Jesus Christ, those who claim to be born again, forgiven of their sins, and say that they have trusted their salvation in Christ alone, we are are ambassadors for Christ. We present him to the world on his behalf. I read this quote from John MacArthur this week where he said, you are the only Bible that some unbelievers will ever read. Now, unfortunately, we have seen too many casualties firsthand. We've seen too many people blaspheme the sacrifice of Christ's blood on the cross because, you know, these are people who, who, that we know and they say that they love God, but instead they choose to believe in some perverse version of God and not the God of the scriptures. And they believe that because it soothes the desires of their flesh. These are the people that say, I love God, but I still want to continue sinning. I still love this sin too much. Praise God he's forgiving me of this thing that I'm about to do. That is not the true God. And that is not an example of someone who's truly submitted themselves to the God of the scriptures, the only true God. And we are not immune. 
So if you are pursuing your career more than Christ, there is a problem. If you are pursuing your spouse, a woman, a man, or even your happiness more than you are pursuing Jesus Christ, more than you are pursuing his word and his righteousness, then there is a problem. And I urge you to do as Paul says, to examine yourself to be sure you are in the faith. Christ cannot be second. He must be central. Because if he is not, then you will end up another casualty. So as soldiers, in order to be properly prepared for war, there are three requirements. You must be properly trained. You must be properly equipped. And you must be able to properly execute his commands. Let me expound on those for just a second. Properly trained. Do you think that the men who stormed the beaches of Normandy who were victorious did so because they were lucky? No. They trained and trained and ran drill after drill until what they did had become instinct. We must treat our training with the same zeal. We must dwell on the word. We must ingest it. We must let it digest, right? And then we must ruminate on it. Meaning, you can't just read and, and, and go, okay, I'm done. You know, when I was younger uh, and, and younger in my faith, I was like, I'm going to read the whole Bible. Uh, so I'm going to start in the New Testament, and then I'm going to go back and read through the Old Testament. And I did it. Um, it took me about two and a half years. But how much of it do you think that I retained? None of it. It is much more beneficial to read and study and understand a single passage of Scripture than it is to read the whole thing and not be able to biblically apply any of it. We must be intentional and consistent with our study of the Scriptures, and we must fellowship with other believers because they most certainly have a different perspective. Right? Or they may say something that, that could have taken you years to realize on your own. Or maybe they've experienced something that you're and have come out on the other end that you are about to go through. But most of all, we must verify that the training that we will submit ourselves to is good teaching. Good meaning that it is true. And we know that it is true by verifying everything with Scripture. We must be properly trained. Then we must be properly equipped. We cannot simply believe the word, but we must know it. We can't just say, I believe that this is true. That's good. But even Satan and his demons know that this is true. But we must know it. It must be engrafted within us so that we will always be ready to give an account for the hope that is within us. Let's look at Ephesians 6, verses 13 through 20. It says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Now, here's our equipment, our equipment that, that is, is um, required of us. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith 
with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. If we are not properly equipped, we are like men storming Omaha Beach in nothing but our swimsuit. No helmet, no rifle, no armor. Just knowledge of the existence of tools that we don't have ourselves. What good is being able to shoot a rifle accurately in a war if you don't have one? That knowledge then becomes useless. And we make ourselves utterly useless in this war when we show up ill-prepared. We must be properly trained. We must be properly equipped. And we must properly execute command. Those brave men would not have been able to be successful had they not been able to follow orders. You know, the officers gave those orders because they knew what it would take to win the war. Now, make no mistake, this is not a war between God and Satan. This is a war between us and Satan. God has no rival. But he has given us proper orders to follow to ensure our survival in this war. And if we have done everything else perfectly up to this point, if we've received proper training, if, we, if we've put on proper equipment, but we do not properly execute, then we are useless. We are like a paratrooper who never jumps from the plane. Now, all throughout history, if a soldier disobeyed a direct order, it was because they did not believe that their commanding officer had their best interest in mind. They didn't trust them because they were afraid it would get them killed. Well, the same is true for spiritual warfare. If we do not follow God's commands exactly as he commands us to, it can only be because we do not fully trust him either. But if we diligently and intentionally pursue Christ, his righteousness, and his standard, I want you to listen to what the God of the universe promises us. Psalms 91. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your, at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. 
You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked, because you are because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge. No evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him, because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Now, I know that at times, things seem hopeless in this life. I know that we are surrounded on all sides and that we Christians are in enemy territory. But as children of God, we must press on. We must fight the good fight. For we are, all, we are on the side that has already won. So praise God that he has chosen us to be a part of his perfect plan. I want to read you this quote. It says, Hang tough. Never ever give up regardless of the adversity. If you are a leader, a man who other men look to, you must keep pressing forward. That's Major Dick Winters, commander of the 506th Parachute Infantry Regiment, the 101st Airborne Easy Company, also known as the Band of Brothers, the heroes of World War II. Today, the world may seem bleak. It may look like we are against all odds. But if we trust in Jesus Christ alone, in his sovereignty, and we submit to his authority, we will always have the victory because he has already overcome the world. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day that you've given us. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your truth. I thank you for your holiness. Father, I thank you for your chastisement when you give it to me because I know it is meant for my good also that I can glorify you. Father, go with us this week. Keep us strong. Help us to, to, to see the spiritual war that we, are, that we are in the midst of. Help us understand that the enemy is constantly on guard. Father, let us, let us receive and seek out proper training from our brothers, from your word. Let us sit under good teaching, Father. Let us be able to apply this teaching. Father, help us to seek out proper equipment. Equip us. Equip us, Father, with all the things that that your word has taught us. Father, let us take the sword of the Spirit, which is your word, and let us use it to defend ourselves, but not only to be on the defensive, but let us attack the gates of hell with your word for your glory. Let us stand firm and stand strong and bold and encouraged because we know that we are on your side. We know that you 
go before us so who can be against us and that you never fail. Father, we love you. We don't always show it. And we rarely show it in the manner that we ought to. Father, forgive our unfaithfulness. Go with us this week. Help us to properly execute your commands so that we can make a difference in this world for your kingdom. We thank you most of all for your son Jesus Christ and his sacrifice that he's given us because without him, without his sacrifice, none of this is possible. We praise you and we thank you for that precious blood spilled on the cross. On my behalf, Father, we ask and pray these things in his name, the name of all authority, the name above all names who is altogether lovely and altogether holy. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.